So, uh, I did not send any of my sermon notes to Jim, but he pretty much just read my entire introduction. So, um, yeah, Cody, Cody reached out to myself and a few others last week uh, via a big group text and asked if we wanted to preach. A couple of us had spoken up really quickly and said that, uh, well, you know, if you think we're ready, then, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go for it. Um, and we were given uh, this morning and then later on at the end of the month. And before I could even think to ask for later on at the end of the month, someone that you'll hear at the end of the month jumped right in front of me. Um, and he'll give you, he gave me all kinds of reasons as to why. I want to see what he tells you if you really press him later on. But, uh, but yeah, Jim's absolutely right. I'm uh, usually more comfortable with a guitar in front of me. Um, <laughs> hey, oh, really? <laughs> uh, so it's very strange to be um, this side of the pulpit without a guitar. So um, I know that we just prayed. I'm going to pray again so that I can hopefully calm myself down and not talk uh, so quickly that my sermon lasts 10 minutes, um, if you will all bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a Sunday. We can come together. We've safely made it to church. We are able to sit under your word preached. And I just ask that you will turn our hearts and our minds toward you. No matter what's been going on this week, what's ahead of us in this week to come, that we may be focused on you. Father, I ask that you be with me. Uh, and uh, this bucket of nerves that I'm sitting inside of. And I, I pray that you will bring my heart rate back down to a normal level and uh, that through any and every sinful thing that is inside of my head, no matter how much I falter, no matter how much I may get wrong, that the Spirit will work through me. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, all right. So um, we've already read 14 through 30. So uh, we're just going to jump right in. Um, In verses 14 and 15, we learn that uh, Jesus is really popular. But it's a popularity not... It's a worldly popularity, mainly. Um, We know of Jesus, they know of Jesus, of doing miracles. He comes into town, performs some miracles, and he goes on to the next town. Um, That's exactly what they're expecting him to do in his hometown. Um, He's, I mean, on a worldly level, Jesus is the man, you know. Um, and, and that's, that, again, that's what they're expecting. Um, he's the man in their eyes for all the wrong reasons. Um, they're expecting a magician. Again, they're expecting to see miracles. They only want things, uh, excuse me, Jesus to do things for them. And if he isn't doing that, or if he isn't doing the things that they want him to do for them, uh, they don't like it. That sounds pretty familiar as to what goes on in our day-to-day, whether it's you or a friend, family member, uh, what have you. The next little bit here um, is uh, verses 16, 16 through 20. Excuse me. Um, and in 16, Jesus comes home to Nazareth. It's where he was brought up. It's where he was raised. So as per the usual custom, uh, he goes to synagogue on the Sabbath day. And we're going to break off for just a brief moment here, so bear with me. Jesus, as we read, goes to the synagogue regularly. Again, it was his usual custom. You may be thinking, well, of course he does. What else would he do? I hear you. (laughs) But this is why I love this. Because it's so applicable to us today in 2018. We've got, and I can think of several people that I'm friends with that uh, will profess Christianity in some form. What fits them, um, but, but almost sit on this 
uh, holier than thou, this high horse, that they do not go to church regularly or at all. Um, you know, they don't need to have a middleman to have a relationship with Jesus. And um, that, that's a common thing that we hear, and it's, it's almost worn as a badge of honor by those people that, that, uh, that don't go regularly. Um, this is happening all the time. Uh, move my notes, sorry. <laughs> um, so um, there are even Christian leaders that will encourage to not go to church. We've, when we've got mega churches that have just buku people that are in there all the time that are far away, so they encourage you to listen online. And, and you know, apart from maybe some of the content of those sermons, I'm not going to name names, but uh, uh, it is good that people are hearing the word of God. However, we're commanded to go to church, and I understand the irony that I'm speaking and preaching to people that are in church, so this might fall on some deaf, deaf ears. But um, I know that we've got some people in our lives, that at least that we can think of maybe once or twice, that don't regularly go. Um, one reason that we hear people aren't going to church is because it's uh, full of sinners. It's full of people that are no better than them that still act or make the, the would-be goer feel worse than they feel like they should. Um, I understand that, but I also think that that's kind of the point of a church, not making people feel bad, you know, but it's a grouping of sinners coming together and, and learning the gospel, coming together in a community of believers. The problem is not that there's sin in the church, because, I mean, it just makes sense. The, the church down the street, I'm not actually talking about a church, but <laughs> church down the street that's pastored by a human man, that has a human congregation of men and women and children, of course it's going to be sinful. Of course it's going to be hypocritical. The problem lies within the, the church body not having people in it that love them enough to call one another on their sin. That's the issue. A big problem with that is because, you know, um, we think it's the loving thing to not call somebody out. Um, and it's, you know, actually the opposite. If we're letting someone just stumble along, just living within their rampant sin, what are we doing for them? What are we doing to further God's kingdom? So the reason why I love this and the reason why I went off on this little uh, tangent here is because the Church of Jesus Day was in far worse shape than what we have today. And it's hard to believe because this is all, you know, we can really see. You know, yeah, we can read all the history we want, but this is what we know today. And it's not that great. I, you know, I agree. But in Jesus' day, it was far worse, and he still went. Jesus was worshiping amongst the very people who should know him best. However, they don't. They don't know him at all. So Jesus, he, he stands, and he reads the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unro- unrolls the scroll until he gets to what we would call Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And this is where people start to have different opinions on what's being said. It's often said that this is a political statement. Um, People view Jesus as a social and political revolutionary for his quotations of Isaiah 61 here. In today's world, where people are seeking a social justice gospel, I understand the confusion. Uh, I don't agree with the confusion, but I understand it. Um, the, the churched and, and, and the unchurched alike, given the influence of what's going on in our culture, can easily misconstrue this for this. Um, it is 100% certain that this text means nothing less than the gospel. You know, we're talking, in, in this passage, he's talking of a salvific movement, but not exactly the social justice that gets preached on today. 
Jesus isn't talking about us. It's, he's talking about Jesus. He's literally reading them the text, the, the gospels being fulfilled in front of them. I'll get to that here in a bit. But um, these people are not, they're not getting it because still they're, they, they don't know Jesus. They're looking for miracles still. That's the Jesus they know in their head. And that's who they're still portraying outward. So they were coming for a show. The people wanted the benefits of knowing Jesus, but did not want them to, didn't want it to cost them anything. Again, I ask you, does that sound familiar? So often we want to reap the benefits of being a believer. We want to know the comfort of, of that assurance, that blessed assurance. But when we're pressed on something, when we are uh, approached with a, a hard, a heavy truth, um, I, I can only speak for myself, but I know that there are far more times uh, that I wish I would hold steadfast to what I hold dear in my heart. I wish I could outwardly profess that as much as I like to paint in my head that I can. We're all guilty of that. So he reads, he rolls up the scroll, and he quietly sits down. And all the while, I can imagine the people are uh, watching him intently, and they're just wondering what he has to say. Probably the edge of their seat here. Um, And we find out in verses 21 through 24 that he says, uh, well, he explains to them, the scripture has been fulfilled in their hearing. They've literally heard good news from the spirit-anointed servant of the Lord. They don't even grasp it. They don't even grasp it. They think, that, uh, they think that it's a nice sermon. They think that he's a nice preacher. Um, but they can still only see him as Joseph's son. They're completely missing the mark here. The, the fulfillment of Scripture has just happened, and they can only see a hometown kid who's done good. This happens to us today, too. How often are we asking God to give us something we want all the while, ignoring what he's already blessed us with? Quite a bit, if you're me. <laughs> So I ask you this, and this is something to, to ponder on. Are we too familiar with Jesus? Familiarity is why a lot of people don't recognize Jesus as their Messiah. They've had just enough of the Bible to make them think that they know, so they aren't going to look any deeper. How tragic. Don't get caught up in this. I, I implore you. Jesus is someone who gets deeper the deeper you look. Jesus, uh, almost as if he's being led by the Spirit, anticipates what the congregation is thinking. He says that a day is coming when they will say to him, heal yourself. If we fast forward to Luke 23, 35, uh, where Christ is being crucified, we read this. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. As we know, that day is coming. But now they are asking him, to do in Nazareth what he did in Capernaum. They still only want him to work miracles, to put Israel first. It's the response of pride, unbelief, and entitlement. They do not know him for who he is. Still, they only see him as Joseph's son. Familiarity breeds contempt. That's, that's the danger there. Dishonoring Jesus is to call him something less than what he truly is. Muslims dishonor, uh, dishonor him by claiming him to be a great prophet and denying that he is the son of God. Hindus dishonor him by not seeing that he is the one true God and the rest of the gods 
lowercase g, are idols. How are we dishonoring Jesus? I can think of, again, only speaking for myself here, I can think of the many times that I am wanting this to happen and this happens. But I really thought, you know, option A was what I needed for me, but obviously, given that B is what happened, that's what was supposed to happen. That's what was ordained to happen. But when something doesn't go our way, are we praising God the same way that we do when something does? That's what we're called to do. You don't hear that uh, in, in today's world. Uh, I can think of um, when you watch the, uh, the Super Bowl or the World Series or anything, you, you'll have one or two guys, maybe it's the coach or, or um, manager, whatever, uh, or a player, maybe it's the MVP, that will quote, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's great. A lot of context, but it's great um, in some way. You never hear that praise coming from the loser. And yes, we don't really often hear from the loser until the next few days, and, uh, and, and that's you know, to be expected. But how often are you hearing that same verse be applied to when we lose? Um, that verse is all about contentment. Of course, you know that. That's not what I'm preaching on today, so I won't go down that rabbit hole. But um, I know that that's a huge way that I myself, that's one of the, the, the many ways that I dishonor God. When I really expect this, and I really want, I really pray for this, but then that happens, and I'm angry for whatever reason. I think I have a right to be angry that something did not go my way. Um, and that's common. I know that's not just me, and, uh, and we know it's not just you guys either. So to honor Jesus, you have to receive him as he truly is, a Messiah and Son of God who alone rescues sinners from God's wrath and makes those same sinners righteous in the eyes of God. So in verses 25 to 27, that's where we're going to now. And I know I'm going through a little fast, hoping I could calm myself down, so we'll see how it works. In verses 25 and 26, he reminds them of the widows in Elijah's day. And that God sent Elijah to the widow of Zarephath in Sidon. And in 27, he is reminding them that God sent Elisha to heal Naaman, a Syrian. What Jesus is saying here with all of this is God's love passed over Israel and went to the quote-unquote unclean. This sermon that Jesus is preaching, I think, is aimed at all believers. Perhaps we think we know Jesus because we know the church language. We remember the Bible stories taught to us in Sunday school. We remember, um, if you were me, I remember uh, being a a student in vacation Bible school and then being a leader in vacation Bible school, hearing the same stories that I was teaching later on as a a young man. Um, Yet, we go to church every Sunday. We really make it look like we're paying attention. All the while, we're thinking of anything and everything else under the sun. That's horrible. That's vile. And it's something that I'm guilty of almost weekly. And I lead worship. <laughs> you know, the minute we're done with, with the first few songs, uh, I sit, or I, excuse me, I don't sit. I go and I get myself a cup of coffee. It's usually my third or fourth one that morning. Um, and I will kind of congregate there in the little narthex area um, with someone if they're out there. If not, I'll sit and just kind of gather myself and uh, think of, you know, what's coming up next and try to get into a position of, uh, where I can sit under the word preached and, and pay attention. You know, I've never been great at taking notes, so um, it, it all just turns into doodles. Um, 
However, once I do eventually make it back to my seat, um, none of the prepping that I did has helped. I'm still thinking about, well, I got work tomorrow. I've got uh, these songs coming up. I hope I don't break a string. Or I did break a string, and now everything just sounds awful. I've got two more songs to do, and I can't remember the time signature of the first one. You know, these are things that is, they're so common. It's so um, easy to fall into that trap of thinking of what's coming. And I think a lot of that has to do with that familiarity that we have. You know, we know that, we know that, that Jesus died for his people. We know that. And so maybe there's this little bit in us that, that thinks, well, you know, just this little sin here, this, this little bit of not paying attention here or there, not going to hurt. I, I'm, I'm still good. And, uh, and probably shouldn't think that way. <laughs> um, but I, I think this sermon is for us. I, I wholeheartedly do. I believe this sermon is for the nominal believer as well. It's for the people who think they know Jesus, who think they are one of the chosen, but have no living, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. My heart breaks for those people. Be careful, beloved, that you do not lose sight of Jesus, that you don't become too familiar with him. Be careful that you don't lose sight of who he is. You must never forget that he is the reason for our salvation. Through no work of ours, praise God, Jesus is the only reason that we are safe from the wrath of God the Father. So as we go on to verses 28 through 30 here. So he reads, he uh, um, rebukes them, and they get mad. Oh, they get mad. They try to throw him from a cliff, which, I mean, I've been mad before, and I, I've, got a, I've got a temper. Um, but I've never tried to throw somebody off a cliff. Um, but, I mean, I guess they were, they got there. Um, so, so as they're, they're going to throw him off of the cliff, they get a miracle. Not like what they were asking of him, but they get one nonetheless. Jesus passes right through, right through them, unharmed, silently also. I, I don't know what was going through their heads, but I know that my anger would have probably have been gone at that point, and I would have been on the ground shaking. That would have terrified me. Um, but again, I don't know what they were going through. Um, of course, they're angry, though. You know, uh, they're angry for the things that Jesus has said. Um, but he just passes right through. And I, I, myself, maybe sinfully, I picture like a hologram, like in Star Wars. Uh, you know, when they're talking to someone who's not there, and it, they're always like that shade of blue, and you can see right through them. I don't know. Obviously, I don't think that's anywhere in here. But it's cool to me to think that. It kind of paints that picture a little bit. And I think Star Wars is pretty awesome. But I, I digress. Um, they're angry. And, and look, I don't like to be told that I'm wrong or that I've done something wrong any more than the next person, believer or unbeliever alike. We as, uh, as people, believer or unbeliever alike, simply don't like being told that we're wrong. And we believers especially don't want to admit that we like committing whatever sin it was we're being rebuked for. That's the danger of sin, right? It feels good, and we love it as much as we hate it. Sin is comfortable, right? Because we're so quick to fall into it. And following Jesus is never comfortable. I can think of so many times where I've fallen prey to the same old things that I do. Whether it's um, on my phone in the middle of a, of a sermon uh, from my pastor. Or I'm getting angry and I'm getting road rage while I'm driving. Um, it's so comfortable to go into that because it's what we know. 
And, and then once we do that, what do we do? We, we run from God because we think we're no longer worthy of that love. And it's the opposite. We need to run straight to him. That's what we're called to do. So, so I understand not... I understand not enjoying the rebuking, not enjoying uh, being told that I'm wrong. Again, I would never throw somebody off a cliff that I know of. I hope I never get to that point. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Um, and as far as we know in recorded history, Jesus never returned to Nazareth. He just he showed up. He hit him with some heavy truths, which hurt them so badly that, again, they tried to throw him from a cliff. He passed through them unscathed and left for good. Some rejections are final. Beloved, these people were confronted with a hard truth. And as believers, we know that there is no escaping those truths. And again, I ask, how many times have you praised God when something goes your way? And how many times have you praised him the same exact way, if not more, when it doesn't? In spite of us, and in spite of our constant shortcomings, our totally depraved nature, Jesus still died for his people. Praise God. Of course, we do not know the hearts of all those who were rejected or those who will reject him still. But if what we know about the gospel is true, we know that those of who were among the elect heard the gospel and were regenerate because of it. Beloved, we are all sinners who have contributed nothing to our salvation except the sin that made it necessary. It's a little Jonathan Edwards quote. It's my one per sermon. Thank you. Um, Thanks. (laughs) Remember who Jesus is, why he was put on earth, and who we are in the eyes of God because of him and him alone. Do not become familiar with Jesus. I'll pray that you don't, and I would greatly appreciate the same prayer in return. Today is the day of salvation. Today this salvation is preached in your hearing just as it was then. Repent of sin, come to him in faith, and you will be saved. Do not miss the salvation he brings. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you have done for us. God, I pray that you will keep us with you. And through that, through all of our shortcomings, you will keep us and hold us fast. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Drew. You're welcome. I think I got this turned off. <laughs>